Hey, it's Pastor Tim. Thank you for listening. I pray this message inspires you to live a life engaged in Jesus Christ. Welcome home. Amen, church. Did you catch the last words of that song? Bear the cross while you wait for the crown. Tell the world of the treasure you found. I don't know about you, but, but I'm, I feel the cross heavy sometimes, walking in this world, you know. You, you can't but get out of bed, uh, but you feel the cross on your back, the burden of it. But then I'm reminded of something. The cross I bear, he's already born. And, and the, the one, I love that song. I'm not taking issue with that song. But the one thing I've changed in that song is instead of uh, bear your cross while you wait for your crown, it will be bear your cross, you've already received your crown. Because when we accept Jesus, yes, we bear a cross, but we also bear his crown. We walk in the power of his might. Oh, we've come today to come to the altar. This is communion Sabbath. Somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. I was uh, excited today when um, Soph, who's been sick all week, I mean, just pray for Soph. She's been out sick. And so I'm going to church and says, is today communion? I said, yeah, today's communion. She said, oh, no. I thought she was being sarcastic, right? So I said, no, I really want to be there. Communion's so awesome. We've made communion in this place awesome for a 15-year-old that when they miss it, they're sad about it. It used to be that most people who came to church thought communion was Greek for beach Sabbath, you know? But now we've come to the place, we've come to the altar to remind ourselves what God has done for us and is doing through us and will do to the world around us if we but let him in us. Ah. Father in heaven, I ask that you would speak words of life, words of power, words of love into our hearts today. We have come into this place to give you all praise, all honor, all glory. But we've come, many of us, with heavy hearts, heavy spirits. And so we thank you for being a father that says, come unto me, lay your burdens at my feet, for I will give you rest. So, Father, we ask for the rest today. We ask that you would speak into our hearts in this moment. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. She was maybe five, maybe six. Around that age when you think uh, reality is a cartoon, right? And I noticed her. Now we have our, our house. There's the, the, the kitchen um, here. We have a refrigerator outside. And, um, 
you know, the family room is over here. We were in the, the, the dining room, which is adjacent to the kitchen. And I saw Sophie. She comes, and usually at this age, she'd go bounding everywhere, right? She's like, Aah! you know, and then you just, okay, and you got used to it after a while, you know. Um, you know, you learn to catch things as they were falling, as she knocked them over. But this time she came walking very slowly, very purposefully. Huh. She walks past us in the, the dining room. Goes around, I hear the front door open and close. And then I hear the garage door open and close. Now, see, the garage, I should have told you, there's a refrigerator out there. And that's where I keep all of our um, healthy food. You know, I mean, chocolate comes from a bean, right? And beans are healthy, you know, it's actually a fruit, I think, right? It's, it's, it's not good. That's okay. It's like, you know, have outside fridge, I have a huge. Not huge, like a little little section there with you know, a few, you know, candies in case people come over. Anyway, I hear the refrigerator door open and shut. And then she comes walking back. The garage door opens up, the front door opens up, and she's all walking to her room. Hello, father. I'm like, uh, so what do you got there? So what do you mean, father? Turn around. She's a whole, and sure enough, there's a giant snick, uh, Hershey bar shoved in her pants, you know, pulling up her shirt. Uh, Sophie, so how did you know? So, well, first off, you never go through the front door to get into the garage. I found uh, that point a truth in life. The door you choose to go through shows what you're really looking for. The door you choose to go through shows what you're looking for. Today's message is called The Gateway. In this message, Jesus Christ, on our series of I Am statements, declares to the world, I am the door or the gate of the sheep. Before we get to that, though, we got to take a step back and understand the context in which he's saying this statement. The man who was a man at this point, had spent his entire life in darkness. He had never seen a sunrise. He had never seen a children playing. He had never seen the face of his mother, for he had been born blind. And see, in this society, to be born blind was one of the great curses you could ever imagine. This is not the society of Helen Keller uh, where, you know, Braille is invented and, you know, schools are made for the blind that they can see stuff and they can do stuff and they can be taught how to use their infirmities. The only thing you are good for now is begging. In a society that central um, focus is the church. Okay, everything they did was focused on the church. All commerce, all social relationships was focused on the church. The church had told people with infirmities, you can only come so far for we won't let you all the way because, because, because if you have an infirmity, it must mean you did something wrong. And so thus God is punishing you. You ever get that feeling? You ever live in that mentality? You ever go through that door? 
Why is all of this happening to me? Did I forget to pay my tithe? Is it because of that thing I did back when I was in my 20s in that place that I shouldn't have been? Oh, it's all coming home to roost. This society had bred that into every member of it. If you are wealthy, if you are male, if you are healthy, it's because God has blessed you and therefore you are a good person. However, you don't have health. If you're poor, if you don't happen to be a male, well, you're less blessed. And so you can only come so far. So he had never seen fully the church. Never been into the church. Never seen the glory of the temple. He's sitting by the road begging in darkness. And as he walks along, he hears people talking about him. People walking with a man named Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus. So good to say the name of Jesus. And they're, they're, they're looking at him. They, they can, he can feel their stare on him. And one of his disciples, thinking to be, uh, you know, extra holy, comes over to the master and says, Master, theologically, academically, who was it that sinned for this man to be born blind? Him? I guess in utero or something? He told a lie in his mother's belly? Or his parents? Which one sinned that this man was born blind? You can almost see the man's head hanging. See, where the world brings shame and scorn, Jesus Christ brings a little something different. He said, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that God may be glorified. Now, he wasn't saying that God made him blind, but what he was saying to the disciples is the same thing he's saying to us today. That whatever brokenness you find yourself in, whatever hurt, whatever handicap, I've got good news for you. God can be glorified in it. And if that is your goal in life, your top ethic to glorify God, then praise God when you're weak because God's glory is seen in you. Jesus Christ heals the man born blind. The man is so excited, he goes into the church praising God. For the first time, he gets to go in church. But then the whispers start. That Jesus fellow, he healed the man born blind. This is a huge thing. The Pharisees had already declared the man unworthy, yet Christ had touched his eyes and made him see. He had already declared Christ unworthy. That anybody who accepts that Christ is the Messiah must be thrown out of the church. And so now this man is a problem because he's a walking, living miracle, a walking, living testimony to the power of Jesus Christ. By the way, that's what each and every one of you are after you accept Jesus Christ. A walking, living testament to the power of Jesus Christ in your life. Don't care if you feel it. It's true. Somebody say, I'm a miracle. miracle. Yeah, you are. And so they came up to him and they started harassing him. They harassed him. They harassed his parents. His parents threw him under the bus. 
said, we, uh, we don't want to be kicked out of the church. I don't know. They kept after him, and finally he's all, listen, I've told you before, I don't know his name, but this man who healed me, he must be from God, because no one has ever seen a change like this in my life. I once was blind, but now, but now, but now, I see. I don't know about you, but that's how I felt when Jesus Christ came into my life. I could finally see for the first time. He said, listen, you keep asking me about do you want to be his disciple too? This man was praising Jesus Christ without even knowing who he was. And you know what the church did for it? The church, they grabbed him by the scruff of the neck and kicked him out. You are no longer welcome here. And by kicking him out of the church, they cut him off from society. You have no idea what it's like to be canceled by the church in that day. No idea. You think you'll lose Twitter followers? You lose everything. Your family, your way to make money. In many cases, your own identity. The man is now there, socially worse off than he was when he was a beggar. But then someone came. Does anybody know what his name was? Does anybody know what his name was? His name was Jesus. You see, when we are cast out, when the world turns its back on us, when everybody wants nothing to do with us because of Jesus, guess who comes to find us? Jesus. And Jesus comes to the man. And you find the, 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 the story there in 9. And we're going to go 9. Let's go 35. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And he went and he found him. Brothers and sisters, if you are down, if you are feeling thrown out, Jesus is looking for you. Look up and you'll see him right there. Do you believe in the Son of Man, he asked. Who is he? Tell me, so that I may believe in him. Son of Man, by the way, is a um, phrase indicating the Messiah. He's like, do you believe in the Messiah? Do you believe that the one that God promised to come and free us will come and free us? And so the man is saying, yeah, let me know who he is, sir, so that I may believe in him. And Jesus said, you have now what? You have now what? Oh, come on. Don't you think? Did you get this? This is huge. This is awesome. Maybe it's just me. I'm a Bible geek. I'm going to enjoy it on my own a little bit. The man had been born what? Blind. Blind. Who had healed him? Jesus. The way Jesus heals him, he puts mud on his eyes and he says, go wash in the pool. and go. He'd never seen Jesus' face. But Jesus still healed him. Jesus can touch your life without you even knowing it. If you have a blessing in your life, praise Jesus for it. But then, finally, in his lowest point, Jesus comes and he looks up and he sees. Once was blind, but now he sees Jesus. And the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. For he that believeth in him shall not perish 
but have everlasting life. Jesus continues on. Jesus continues on. Jesus said, for judgment I have come into the world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. He's talking spiritually. Some Pharisees were with him and asked him, by the way, just because people hang out where Jesus is doesn't mean they're with Jesus. Anyway, some Pharisees, I'll let you talk about that. It's a whole other sermon for you later. Some Pharisees who were with him heard this and said, what? Are we blind too? Bruh. That's the, yeah, T-I-M translation. Bruh. And Jesus said, oh, okay. Well, if you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty of sin. See, if you couldn't see the things that you were doing to the people trying to get to God, trying to find their joy and happiness and salvation in me, if you couldn't see that and you were acting like this, okay, cool, you'd be fine. But now you claim you can see. Spiritual arrogance. They're saying, we have the truth. How dare you tell us anything? So your guilt remains. And then he goes on to, and so this statement is in reaction to people not understanding who God was. In reaction to people not understanding who God was. All the I am statements, by the way, when you go back and look over them, they're in reaction to a misnomer about God. When he comes in and says, I am the bread of life. Okay? It's a reaction to them saying, we just want the physical, we don't want the spiritual. Okay? Give us the bread, give us the physical, give us the bank accounts, give us the Twitter followers, give us all that stuff, but leave your religion, leave your spiritualist, leave your Jesus out of it. And just, I ain't come to feed you with Krispy Kreme. Oh, they're good, but I ain't come to feed you with that. I came to feed you with everlasting life. That's why I came. When the, uh, and the, then he said, therefore, I am the bread of life. When the woman who had been caught in adultery made to stand in front of him and everybody thought that she should be stoned because she was a sinner, Jesus Christ came and shed some light on the fact and said, we're all sinners standing in need of a Savior. It's the one who remains with the Savior that sees the light. And in response, he said, I am the light of the world. And here we have this man being kicked out, shunned in the church for loving Jesus, for having joy when they said he shouldn't have joy. And Jesus said, for judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see. And then we moved on to John 10. We're just back on John 10. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, if anyone who does not enter by the sheep gate, but climbs in by some other way, anyone who doesn't do that is a thief and a robber. The door you go through shows what you're looking for. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. They go in and out of the gate. Continue on. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them. I love this fact. Yeah, this is extra. I know it's over time and I don't have time to go into this. But, but, but the difference between sheep and cowboys is cowboys drive their herd. Shepherds guide their herds. Anyway, I thought that was cool. 
But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from a stranger because they don't recognize the stranger's voice. The people who run away, running away from the Pharisees and Sadducees, the religious people who are trying to steal their joy. And Jesus Christ was commending the people who were running away from them for that, saying, good for you. Get away from those people. Jesus used this as a figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. So therefore, he says, Very truly, I tell you, I am. What? The gate of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers. The sheep will not listen to them, but I am the gate. Today's message is entitled, I am part four, the gate. The gateway. Whoever enters through me will be what? They will come in and out and find pasture, find comfort, find what they're looking for. The thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy but I have come. All of those who think that Jesus Christ has come to condemn, that, that religion is only there to put you down and put rules on you, need to read this, need to tattoo this on your heart, on your mind, and maybe even on your arm. I'm not saying tattoos are good. I don't do that, you know, especially my family. But, but, but I'm just saying. Nothing wrong with tattoos. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. These are one of those texts that you hold on to. I have come that they might have What? Everybody? And have it how? It says to the full, my favorite translation, abundantly. Do you have abundant life today? Do you have a full life today? If you're wondering why you don't feel like your life is full. Maybe you've been going through the wrong doors. A couple quick things I want to go over from this text to help us remember the I am and make sure that we go through the right door. The first is this. Kick out the thieves. Kick out the thieves. In declaring himself to be the I am gate, Jesus is reminding his sheep that those who would steal their joy because of him, especially, especially those in the church, are not legitimate shepherds but thieves. And what do you do with a thief when he comes to your house? You kick him out. You kick him out. Have you had any thieves trying to get into your sheep pen? Thieves of joy? Thieves of peace? Thieves of assurance? Jesus Christ, I have come that you may know that you have a life. That you may know. Is there anybody in here today that is worried about their salvation? You've accepted Jesus Christ. You've, you've, you've given him your heart, but you're still worried. Am I, and I, I, you know, I want to accept him, but, you know, yesterday I was in traffic, and the guy cut in front of me, and, yeah, one finger shaka. I told him to shut the front door. I told him what his mother was and where they could go together. I told him all this stuff. I don't know if I'm saved. In fact, you might be with somebody in your life who is constantly trying to steal from you what God has given to you, constantly trying to make you question who you are in him. That's what the Pharisees were doing to the followers of Jesus. They said, oh, no, no, no. You can't have happiness. Don't you know you're a sinner? Where's the frown? Where's the scowl? 
there are still churches today who, when you enter the church, will have more to say about what you have on your body than what you've brought in your heart. There are still churches today that you can walk into. Churches that bear the name of the religion in which I am proud to call my own. That instead of praising God when you walk in and singing hallelujah, we'll whisper to each other, oh, do you remember that? Yeah, that's the one that was born out of wedlock. You know, they got the divorce. And it will tempt you, tempt you to hang your head. Tempt you to get a little angry inside at them. Tempt you to lose the things that God has given you. What I want you to do when they come into that pen of your heart, kick them out. They don't belong. They are thieves and liars. They have not come through the Jesus gate. How do you know when someone's come to the Jesus gate? Because they speak Jesus. Somebody say, I want to speak Jesus. Jesus. Amen. See, when Jesus Christ comes, even if he comes to correct, which he often did, he comes in love. He comes in assurance. He comes saying things like, neither do I condemn you. Now go and live in the power that I've given you. That's how we know when someone is coming through the gate. Because they speak Jesus. And if there's anybody in your life today who is trying to get into your pen, but by another way, you know, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, Jesus, I love your enemies, but not that person. You know, they have an earring in both ears. Not that person. Kick them out. Don't listen. Don't let them steal what God has given you. You are a child of God. Never forget that. And why am I so adamant about this? Well, because because he paid too great a price for me to start questioning whether he was enough. See, this was the price of the gate he set up so I could enter into his goodness. It was too great a price for me to start second-guessing, for me to listen to any other thief coming in my life. If they diminish in any way what Christ has done for you, what are you going to do? Kick them out. Second, all who have come to Jesus Christ, who hear his voice, we are his sheep. Say, I'm a sheep. Go, bat. Ah. <laughs> yeah, a couple of you did. Thank you, Jason. Uh, <laughs> Julia was like, I ain't saying bat. Hey, me. But you know what? I don't care where you come from, whether you live in Kahala or whether you live in the east side. I don't care. You are a sheep. I'm proud to be Jesus' sheep. But you know what I'm not? I'm not the gate. 
And so many times, it's funny. It's funny. One thing that, that, that I found about sheep, being around sheep most of my life, okay, is that sheep start thinking when they're following the shepherd that they are the shepherd. You know what I mean? Yeah, they start walking along and they look over and they see another sheep over there and they're like, meh, meh. Trying to tell the sheep they ain't walking right. Like, you know, they got black spots on white fur. They look at a sheep that has white spots on black fur. Like, meh. They start getting into their minds. We are the sheep. Stop trying to come in and be the shepherd in somebody else's life. You see, everybody was like, amen, when I talked about don't let other people steal your joy. But how many people will say amen when I tell you don't steal someone else's joy? It's less. It's less people. So oftentimes, we get so comfortable with the shepherd that we think we're the shepherd, and we start trying to be the gateway by which all things acceptable can come in and out of their gates, within their pens. You know what I'm saying? Oh, no, 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 no. You don't want to wear that shirt with those pants. You notice my wife's not here today, so. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. You don't want to listen to that type of music. Oh, no, no, no. You don't want to. And then we start when they don't comply. And I've seen it. I've been a marriage counselor for, or a spiritual counselor dealing with marriage for going on 20 years. So I've seen it a lot. They'll come to me, and it doesn't matter, women, men, both of them, but pastor, pastor, I've prayed. I prayed for Jesus Christ to make sure they give up. They shut the toilet seat. They put the toilet paper down the right way. You know, they make sure that they put the laundry detergent in first and then the soft, whatever it is. I've prayed, and it hasn't happened, so I had to, I had to get firm. You ever been there? Jesus didn't work, so I got to try something else. Start nagging, threatening, manipulating. See, when that happens, we become thieves and robbers. When we don't trust Jesus to do in others what he's done in us, when it's not enough, we become thieves and robbers. I'm not saying don't hope for better for the people in your life and the people you love. Absolutely. But we hope for better by praying. Okay? We hope for better by lifting them up before the throne. I guarantee you this. If the Holy Spirit can't get them to put the toilet paper on the right way, which is hanging over, not under. Just, you know, thank you. <laughs> Got a couple of you know, true saints in here. If the Holy Spirit can't get them to do it, what makes you think you're any better? Don't be somebody else's thief and robber. Don't be your own thief and robber. Can't tell you how many times uh, I baptize someone and they come up out of the water and they are glowing, just brilliant, just out there so happy. Praise God, hallelujah, right? And I'll get a call a week later, oh, Pastor, it's so tough. I just, I don't, I messed up, and God's not with me. I'm like, what are you talking about? Oh, but 
don't understand, Pastor. I did. I had a coffee. It wasn't Postum. It was coffee. The older Adventists will get that. It's okay. I care of instead of chocolate. Or whatever it is. And they'll start being a thief of themselves, stealing the joy that God has given them from themselves. The devil's working hard enough on you. Don't help him out. You don't need to be a thief and a robber. Make sure that what you are putting into you, what you are putting into others, what you are putting into the world, comes through the gate of Jesus Christ. Speak Jesus to others, to the world, to yourself. How do you make sure you speak Jesus? Well, to speak Jesus, you got to know what Jesus says. And this book right here is more than just a bunch of letters uh, written to churches, more than just history. This is a love letter from the throne of God to you. It may take some deciphering. Remember the last time I wrote a love letter to my wife? She sent back with corrections on it. <laughs> you laugh, but it was true. She said, always a teacher, amen. She said, well, Tim, if you want me to read it correctly, I had to make sure it was written correctly. So it might take some deciphering, but make no mistake. Every word in here is a love letter to you to give you life, abundant life. See, I can almost guarantee that when I come across a person or a couple who are letting the thieves steal their confidence and joy and abundance of living, it's because they haven't been spending time listening to the shepherd. And so they become thieves of their own joy. This is the way to the gate. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, reading this is the end-all, be-all, because you still have to live it. You still have to love others. You still have to, you know, uh, the Pharisees knew this book better than any one of us know it. And they botched it. But this is a start. If you're not spending time with this, you're missing out on hearing the voice of love leading you through his gate. <laughs> finally, finally, I want to invite J.D. up to come and um, get ready to sing. Never forget who the gate is, okay? We sometimes get so comfortable with Jesus. You know, he be, he's such a part of our lives that we forget who he is, okay? And, and, and the gate part is good, but don't forget the I am part. The I am is Jesus reminding us that that gate is God Almighty. Good God Almighty. Amen? He's the one that spoke the world into existence. He's the one that uh, breathed on dirt and it became a man. He's the one who speaks to broken hearts. 
heals the sick. He is God Almighty. And if he has given you something, then brothers and sisters, he's going to protect it. And ain't no one can take it from you but that you give it up. In ancient culture, when the shepherds would lead their sheep outside of the home pen and into the wilderness in order to eat and stuff like that, okay, or to find you know, their, their, their fields and their nourishment, the way God leads us out into the world to find our purpose. They would be too far away to go back to the home pen, so they'd find an enclosure, like a cave or something, full, you know, where people couldn't get in from the outside, and there would only be one way in and one way out. They'd lead the sheep into that place, and the shepherd himself would lay down in front of the entrance, and he would become the literal gate for the sheep. And they would all sleep comfortably knowing that in order for anything to get to them, it would have to go through the shepherd. God is your gate. And if God be for us, who can be against us? There's no power on earth in heaven or hell, the gates of hell, that can overpower the Jesus gate. The only one thing, the only one thing that can overpower the Jesus gate is you. If you choose to let the thieves in, if you choose to ask the gate to open up and get out of the way, so I'm, I'm, I'm begging you today, church, hold on to the gate. Hold on to Jesus. John 10.10, I want to leave you with this. I want you never to forget that he has already made the way. It's the only way. He has built a gate with the blood he shed on the cross. In doing so, Jesus declares himself to be the gate by which all men can enter. If you remember back at our, our, our service, I'm sorry, Jay, I called you up a little early. She just got to stay there. If you remember back... Um, our message on uh, the um, Names of God series. The last name of God was Yahweh Shammah. And Yahweh Shammah was the promise to the people who had been kicked out of Jerusalem and living in Babylon, that there will be a new city. Okay? And that city will have 12, does anybody remember? 12 gates on it. 12 gates in it. And the name of the city would be Yahweh Shema. God is here. And that everybody, no matter where they came from in life, no matter who they were, no matter how bad they had messed up or how broken they were, whatever they were. And by the way, if you don't think you're broken, wake up. We're all broken. No matter what your particular type of brokenness is, there is a gate for you to get to Jesus. Or there is a gate for you to get to God, and that gate is named Jesus. That's the better way to put it. 
12 different ones because he wants you to know that if you got pink hair and purple shoes, come on in. You got purple hair and pink shoes, come on in. I got a gate for you over here. You only like vegetables? You vegan? Hey, I got a vegan gate. But we all on the other side got a brownie gate. Don't tell the vegans. That's a gate for all of you. Never think you don't belong. There's a gate for everyone. His name is Jesus. Come through today. The final thing I want to leave you with is this. That if you ever find yourself outside the gate, you left the gate, say, you know what, I don't want it anymore. I can't handle it. I, I, I just want to live for me and live for my selfishness and live for everything where I want what I want and I want now. And you find yourself running away from the gates and you think, oh, no, I've run too far. Oh, no, God can't love me. Oh, I mean, the, the pastor, he talks about this stuff, but he doesn't know what I've really done. If you look behind you, you're going to see someone running after you and his name. Jesus. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to support this ministry with your time, treasure, or talent, please visit our website at kaneohesda.org. Have a blessed rest of your day.